Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from each week's NASCAR race. This week, Talladega Super Speedway. Hello, my name is Connor. Thanks for tuning in to the Top 5, where I discuss my Top 5 thoughts from each week's race. This week, we have Talladega Super Speedway, but before we get into it, I'd invite you to go check out my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five, all spelled out, so forward slash T-H-E-T-O-P-F-I-V-E. Also, look us up on Facebook, the top five facebook.com forward slash the top five and let's have a discussion about nascar agree disagree feel free to share your thoughts i look forward to hearing from you so without any further ado let's get right into this week's top five number one so my first takeaway actually has nothing to do with talladega itself so much as it just happened to take place at Talladega. It has to do with Kyle Busch. He was interviewed, I believe on a qualifying day, about his upcoming contract next year. And I don't think he could have been more smug and arrogant. Uh, it's almost like he tries each interview to be more smug and more arrogant. He is such a horse's ass that it is it's almost not surprising, but every time somehow I'm surprised. The disrespect that he shows to the people asking him the questions and to the negotiations going on is pathetic. I'm going to play a short clip of him being interviewed. This is multiple uh, media members asking him questions about his contract next year. Next year. Yesterday. I'm not getting antsy about it. It happens, it happens. If it don't, it don't. Goodbye. <laughs> so, goodbye is an option? Ask Joe Gibbs. Have you been knocking on his door then? Not my problem. It's an air problem then, right? You gotta sell it. If you don't sell it, then nothing to sell or nothing to have. So, it's all about the sponsor? Correct. Yeah. That's gotta be frustrating though, in this day and age. Yeah, uh, series is probably 95% kids with money. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that if you don't get anything from kids, that there'll be somebody else out there that would, that you land at? Probably not. Well, they're not going to let you go. They'll figure out something, won't they? Ask Joe Gibbs. So, would you retire rather than leave JGR? Really? I mean, what are we well, doing? You just, well, you just said to Bob, probably not. So I just want to clarify that. I don't want that to be mistaken. I would say I lost my ride. Cold trickle once said. <laughs> okay. It's the job of these people to ask him these questions. He's acting like it's so painful to answer these questions. It's your job. How many of you 
could act that way towards whatever tasks you're uh, supposed to be doing each day at your job and keep it. Second of all, it's not Joe Gibbs' job. There, there are agents and lawyers and people behind the scenes working on that. There are salespeople, people that make a, a decent, honest living, not multi, multi-million dollars a year like this whiny little brat. There are lots of people working on this. And to degrade it like that is just insulting. Also, Kyle Busch has a kid who's racing. And he's quite young now, but it's not going to be long. Trust me, those of us with kids, it's a blink of an eye and suddenly your kid is in the or in the age range where they could be in the truck series. You're about to have a kid with money in the truck series. Shut up. Maybe interviews like this are the reason that people don't want to sponsor him. This guy is a generational talent of a driver that can't get a title sponsor and blames everyone but himself. And he's the one who said if he doesn't have a ride at, at Joe Gibbs Racing, he won't race elsewhere. And the reporter asked, does that mean you're going to retire? And I was playing audio. You couldn't see it, but he had a disgusted look on his face like that was the stupidest question he's ever heard. What the hell do you, what do you expect them to ask you? You just said if you don't have a ride at JGR, you're not racing next year. Well, so that's a, a bad question to ask if that means you're going to retire. It's just the arrogance and the smugness make me sick. I think guys like Kyle Busch need a Kyle Larson type incident to realize how lucky they are to be in the position that they're in. Honestly, I hope he doesn't find a sponsor next year. I think the sport's better off without him. Enough ranting on that loser. Let's get into the weekend at Talladega. Number two. Always fun to be at Talladega. We only get two of these a year, and they're always the most exciting finishes. Uh, Always massive crowds at Talladega. I don't think this one was quite sold out. But man, that grandstand is so huge, and to see the sea of people is uh, is always pretty cool. Uh, I thought it was funny to watch Clint Boyer drive the 28 car uh, in pre-race and then have to rush back up to the booth, and I thought it was cool that Fox covered that. And speaking of the booth, uh, I was glad to see Dale Jr. in the booth. I, I think he does such a great job in the NBC booth. And I think that Mike Joy is the best uh, commentator or the best play-by-play voice in the sport. And so I was very interested to see how Dale Jr. and Mike Joy would uh, get along together. And every time they went up to the booth and showed the guys, you could see Mike Joy just smiling ear to ear. It was almost the exact opposite of when uh, Tony Stewart was in the booth. You could just sense that Mike Joy wasn't in love with that combo. Not that he dislikes Tony Stewart, although he should, but I don't think Mike Joy thought that Tony Stewart was a very good commentator. Exact opposite with Junior. Seeing Mike Joy 
smiling every time Junior talked really cemented my thoughts about Dale Jr. Also, I was excited to see how the new car handled at Talladega. Obviously, we saw it at Daytona, but Talladega is slightly larger and much wider. There's a lot more room to race at Talladega. You can get three lines at Daytona, but typically, you really can only run two. The third line only comes into play when absolutely necessary. At Dega, you can run three lines comfortably, and... Well, I wouldn't say comfortably. I don't know if there's anything comfortable about being nose to tail at 195 miles per hour, three wide, but you can do it easier at Talladega. Also, I thought a a thing that I've noticed this year with the stage racing is how odd the stages have been. It's been extremely short first stages and then slightly longer second and longest stage being stage three with talladega they went back to the way they were doing stage racing when it first came out it was 60 60 and 68 laps so stage one was 60 stage two was 60 and stage three was 68 i like that primarily because it forced green flag pit stops i like when a stage is longer than the ability to run a uh a green flag run and i believe at talladega it's like 35 to 42 laps is a green flag run so obviously if there's a caution they'll they'll pin under caution but if not i like to see green flag pit stops i, I think it uh adds a, a another level of competition that is enjoyable so with that let's get into the actual race itself Number three. So as previously mentioned, I was excited to see how the new car would do at Talladega. I think that's the true test of a new car is at on a super speedways at Talladega. And it became abundantly clear uh, that it did not push well especially manufacturer to manufacturer. The Fords seem to be able to hook up well in tandem, though, not more than two cars pushing at once. I think the the first 10 laps of the race looked like the last 10, not because guys were racing hard necessarily, but because guys were desperately trying to figure out how not to wreck each other. And you saw a lot of drivers uh, like, Tyler Reddick went from 5th to 25th in two laps. Not necessarily because he got hung out to dry, but because he couldn't quite figure out how to uh, how to be pushed or, or push. Uh, I saw Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace do the, the old Tony Stewart strategy of drop to the back. As much... Uh, as much as I give Tony Stewart, if you've listened to this podcast, you'll know I'm not a fan. His super super speedway strategy was always to drop to the back, stay out of trouble, and be up front at the end. And it worked. He was a master at that strategy. Uh, we ran 40 pretty clean laps, and we had our first uh, green flag pit stops, and manufacturers trying to pit together is always a trip. 
and Cody Ware spun trying to get down to pit road speed. I thought that was an absolute disaster that was averted. It wasn't even a caution. I thought for sure it was going to be a caution. Uh, but they got back out. No harm, no foul. Uh, Briscoe spun, and he took out Busher and Hemrick with three to go in stage one, which caused stage one to finish under caution, and Bubba Wallace won stage one. Uh, a- another situation that I'm not used to seeing with this new car is at Talladega, tires didn't matter so much. Tires have been such a focal point uh, with this next-gen car. And at Talladega, track position was everything. So watching drivers pit and take two tires or no tires was uh, was interesting. Uh, we had a, a handful of cautions after that. Lap 38, Greg Biffle blew a motor. Lap 35, uh, McLeod lost a wheel, which his crew chief will now get a, a week's vacation. Uh, and then you had Kyle Busch coming off pit road and just door slamming uh, Bell into uh, the wall. Uh, and then at the end of stage two, Bubba Wallace got into the back of Joey Logano, which caused not quite the big one, which we didn't actually really see this this time at Dega. There wasn't a big one, but kind of a mini one. Took out a handful of cars. At first, I was annoyed with Bubba for taking out my favorite driver. In hindsight, watching the replay, it was really the Hendrick cars stacking up to, on the restart to try and get you know together, which is frustrating. But in reality, that's just the way you race at Dega. And it's not really any one driver's fault per se. If you have nowhere to go, you go into the car in front of you on a super speedway. You push them. And it's no one driver's fault that this new gen car can't handle being pushed. Last year, those cars would have linked up. And instead of Joey going into the wall, they would have uh, they would have gone to the lead. I think we're going to see some pretty big changes, if not this year, definitely going into next year with how this car is put together for the super speedways. Uh, so that was pretty much the excitement of the midway race. Uh, William Byron won stage two. What a season Willie Byron's putting together. Two wins, a handful of stage wins. He is going to be a real contender when it comes playoff time. Uh, so that said, let's get into the end of the race. Number four. So this overall wasn't the most exciting Talladega race. There weren't a ton of lead changes. There was a decent amount of side-by-side racing. It seemed like the inside line was the line to be on and the outside line was just trying hard all day but couldn't quite get it going. And every now and again, someone would try a third line on the outside and same thing, it would just stall out. And there was a long middle portion of the race where they just single filed like a train or clicked laps off. 
the best part to me was that most of the pit stops were green flag pit stops, which is always more exciting than pitting under caution. But this next-gen car, I just don't think has it. It, it makes for incredible uh, 1.5-mile races and short track races, but it just doesn't have it for super speedways. So like I said, I'm sure changes will will be coming. But as we came to the end, of course, it's not a Talladega race without a crazy finish. Eric Jones in the lead, got way too far out into the lead, made a bad choice. <clears throat> and then uh, by bad choice, I mean he blocked the wrong driver. And uh, Ross Chastain pretty much did nothing. He just stayed on the bottom and got the win. And good for him. Well-deserved win. He didn't back into it or anything. He, he had was where he needed to be and got the uh, got the victory. Pretty much most of the field wrecked coming to the green or to the checkered flag. Larson just door slammed Kurt Busch into the wall. That was a huge jerk move. If I was Kurt Busch, I would be livid. Uh, Kurt Busch got into Bubba, who once again at a uh, at a super speedway right up front at the end. Uh, Bubba had a hard hit. He was clearly in pain after that one. Uh, and Eric Jones, who was leading the race coming down the the front stretch, ended up sixth. That is Talladega at its finest. So, like I said, Ross Chastain won the race, smashed a watermelon, gave some of the watermelon to a kid in the crowd. I just think that guy's a character. I'm, I'm becoming a, a bigger Ross Chastain fan. He races the right way. He puts himself in position, and he is an absolute joy to watch once he gets a win. I think the watermelon thing is a fun tradition that he started and uh and i'm a fan so that about covers it with talladega before we get into the last point let's check in with mckenzie here's what's trending in nascar with mckenzie welcome to trending with mckenzie but it's also just fun facts and cool things before you give you the answers to the questions from last week i want to tell you the story the land that the Talladega track used to be is where they trained pilots in World War II. After the government sold it to the Speedway for $1, but only if they promised to build a new runway, which they did. Where the old runway is, is now Talladega's Boulevard, where it is known to have crazy parties, and I mean crazy. Here are the answers to the last podcast. Number one. How many laps is the Food City Dirt Race? 250 laps. Number two. How big is the Bristol Motor Speedway? 0.533 miles. Number three. Which NASCAR driver has the most wins? Petty Richard. Tune in next week for new questions. Bye. That's an interesting fact about Talladega Super Speedway. Thanks for sharing, Ken's. And I look forward to hearing the answers to your questions next week. So let's get on to the last point of today's podcast. Number five. So my last point is looking forward to next week. 
We have Dover, the Monster Mile. It uh, a, to beat a dead horse, but the next gen car at a track it hasn't been to will be an interesting storyline to watch. Uh, the the concrete mile is more than likely going to chew up tires. And I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw uh, in the 1.5-mile tracks, like Atlanta, where as tires wear down, the back end of this car is just going to come out from under a lot of drivers. So I wouldn't expect a lot of green flag pitting on this track. Uh, I think it's going to be an endurance race. Whoever takes care of their equipment best and is there at the end. So with that, my prediction is twofold. Uh, if I'm betting with my money, I predict Kyle Larson's going to win this race. If I'm betting with my heart, I bet that uh, Joey Logano is going to win. Let's hope that my heart is correct. Either way, I'll be back uh, with an episode sharing my thoughts of that race at Dover. I look forward to watching it. So thanks so much for tuning in. Again, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the top five. Facebook, uh, Facebook page is also the top five. Get on there and share your thoughts. Make a comment. I'd love to have conversations about NASCAR, whether you agree or disagree. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been the top five, and I'm Connor.